when it comes down to it, every single industry has a possible buyer that's a kryptonite to you. And I give you this challenge. I'm going to give you 10 of them today. How many of these people are on your list or have you dealt with? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from the North Shore of Oahu today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from Haleiwa Ali'i Beach Park, which is one of my absolute favorite places in the world to record podcasts from. But today's kind of windy. This entire trip has been windy. For the last 12 days, I've had nothing but strong winds. And so I figured out how to make a makeshift wind block. So you may hear a little bit of noise in the background. You may hear some roosters. You may hear some tourists walking by. But today's episode is Possible Dangers in Sales, and this is a part one. So I'm going to do a couple of these as a series. And so I have about eight or nine items listed out today. And as I remember more, I'll make some notes and I will bring some more possible dangers in sales to you. And these are, uh, like, you could probably label this games that buyers play. And every industry is a little bit different, but all the industries that I've worked in have these types of buyers. So the first one I'm going to label is mysterious big deal, mysterious big deal. And you're like, Scott, what in the world is a mysterious big deal? This is how a mysterious big deal goes down. You meet with a buyer, a prospect, somebody that you've talked to, and they're like, hey, sales dude, hey, sales chick, check this out. I've got a lot of deal flow. I've got a lot of deal flow in whatever version that is in your industry. I've got a lot of things that you can you can sell to me but I want a major deal up front in order to get it. All right. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is that guy or that girl has probably used that line more times than you can imagine. And at the end of the day, this mysterious deal flow, 99 times out of 100 does not appear. There's always a reason why this is a price shopper. This is somebody who's teasing you. They're giving you a tease. They're like, hey, psst, sales dude, psst, sales chick, I've got deals for you. And in your brain, you're like, oh, that sounds fantastic. You know, this person's got all sorts of stuff for me. So how do you deal with it? Okay. So you got to close this up front and say, hey, look, you know what? We're at the beginning of our relationship. And just like you don't know what kind of company that I have, and I don't know what kind of uh, person that you are in your organization. So all the subsequent deals are going to get you the best arrangement possible after you make your first purchase. Let's do this first purchase first. And then let's see how the relationship goes. Now, you may take that word track and be like, I wouldn't say it that way. Okay, then don't say it that way. I'm okay with that. I'm just some guy behind a microphone watching a spectacular sunset on a warm day out here on Oahu on the North Shore. Okay? So realize that a lot of these mysteriously awesome, fantastic deals never really appear. Okay? So that is the mysterious big deal. Number two, the excited buyer. Excited buyer. There are a few industries where people are super excited about what they're going to get, but they don't always have that energy the whole way through the presentation. 
And I'm not saying that 100% of these buyers are the wrong buyers, just like I'm not saying on any of these, 100% of these answers are going to be exact for you every time. But uh, there is times where you have to pull back on the buyers and you have to reverse on them and you have to go, whoa, no, 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 no. I need to make sure that this is a real deal. So I did heating and air sales for a lot of years, for a lot of years. And when it would get hot in Sacramento, it would be 100, 110. Yeah, there's an emergency. There's an emergency. But people act different in an emergency than they do when they've signed a contract and they want to make sure that they got a good price. Okay. That's the type of excited buyer that I'm talking about. That's There's danger in excited buyers. Now, in some industries, you can't roll back a sell. In some industries, you can't roll back the sell. So, you know, your version of excited buyer may be a little bit different, but somebody's too excited about buying from you, you're going to know it. And, you know, you're going to be, if you're not paying attention, you're going to be in for a big letdown. It's their way of, of fronting the energy of rejection. It's how they're dealing with the pre-planned objection that they, rejection that they have for you. So you really do need to pull back and go, time out. Is this really something that you need? And you can't get too excited. I see new salespeople fall for this a lot. I see like just not even when I'm training, but like out in the field, like I might be buying cologne. I might be buying, buying jewelry. I might be out buying something for myself. And I see buyers come up and they're way too excited. And the salesperson's just like, oh, I got an instant buyer here. So they may pull back on the presentation and they may just think I'm going to go for an instant close. No, 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 no. Most of the time, that's a, that's a bad situation. Somebody who's too excited about your deal, it's probably not a deal that you think it is, okay? Now, the flip side of this number three is the desperate buyer. And desperate buyers have desperate problems. And there is a timetable for desperate buyers. People who are desperate, the longer that you're with them, the bigger the chance of them coming back and saying, you took advantage of me, okay? So, there may be ways in your industry to negate somebody saying you took advantage of me, but know that this number three desperate buyer is a dangerous buyer because sometimes desperate people may have credit challenges. Sometimes desperate people may have uh, capacity issues with uh, the way that they're dealing with things, but they always, 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 not always, most of the time, they most of the time come back and say you took advantage of me because I was desperate. So you do have to be delicate with desperate buyers okay so i know i threw all always in there but like simmer down most of the time all right number four mr and mrs frugal this is the price match person this is mr and mrs frugal number one they're price matchers they don't care about value um the only thing that they're looking at is the the total dollar at the bottom of the contract and, and the terms and the thing about mr and mrs frugal is they tend to be complainers they're going to be the first person to write you a bad review online because you didn't bow down to them. And gosh darn it, money to them is the extraction tool that they're going to use against you. I have money and I'm going to show you that I have power and I'm going to wield my power. But you know what? I learned something pretty freaking cool from Oren Klopp where he said money is the cheapest commodity on earth. And the second that you adopt that feeling in a sales presentation, oh, how freeing it is. Okay. So. I'm going to give you number five, Mr. or Mrs. Frugal number two. And so there are times where you have to outline on your paperwork, depending upon the industry that you're in, that let's say that you sell a job. When I was doing heating and air sales, there was cash price, there was credit price, and there was finance price. And so on the agreement, 
uh, I always wrote what the cash price was, the credit price was, and the finance price was because they would negotiate for terms and they would say, I'm going to pay cash. And then when the installers would get there and the installers would accept payment, well, instead of them giving a check, they would give them a credit card. And so the installer would look at the paperwork that I had and they'd go, okay, well, wait a minute. The cash price is this, the credit price is that, or the finance price is this. Now, uh, I'm not giving you legal advice. I don't know the state, the jurisdiction of the country that you live in, but depending upon where you're at, you may be able to use something like this. Now, there is a, a sidebar to Mrs. M Mr. and Mrs. Frugal number three, and this is the person that when you work them a special and then when you work them a deal and another promo comes out, they want to stack that promo. So you're going to have to be able to shut that down and say, look, I gave you everything that I've got, and that promo was based upon a time period. Right. So like if you go to most big box stores, they'll say like within 30 days, if you see a promo that they'll take care of it. Now, when I did in-home sales, this happened a lot around the beginning of the year. Around the beginning of the year, usually around January 15th to about February 15th, mysteriously, these people would show up out of the blue and say, hey, I found a better deal on whatever product that I bought from you and I, I, want, a, I want a refund. Well, what it is, is there's people out there that overspend at Christmas time, and then they start looking at the things that they bought, and they're like, how do I go and get money back? So when I was a sales manager, I had to deal with this. That so people would come in and say, hey, like, like I bought something from you 11 months ago, and I see this promo, and I want some money back. <laughs> I was like, 11 months ago? Like, you mean like 330 days ago? And they say, yeah. And I'd have to say, I'm sorry, it's not happening. But you have to know that there's people in your industry that will try to come back and ask for money back. And, and just like they ask for money back, they may complain about whatever, whatever is done for continuation prices for what you have to offer. Number six, rapport too quick. Rapport too quick. There are people out there that use rapport as a tool against you. And you're like, Scott, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's people out there that'll that'll rapport you. They'll nice guy you. And what they'll do is they'll go, hey, I'm ready to make a decision. Um, I don't need a presentation. Just give me a price. Well, you've got some decisions to make because a lot of times uh, that person is not really ready to make a decision. You just happen to be the person that they're trying to talk into not giving a presentation. So you gotta you got to ask some questions about it. So I, I don't know if I could do this, but like, have you thought about that might be a word track that you use. You fill in the blank. Well, I want to verify and validate that we're at the right crossroads or the junctions for what we're doing. Have you considered, you know, um, are all the people that you have to deal with on board with this decision with you moving forward with me right now? I dealt with a lot of husbands and wives. And uh, part of, of the rapport game is there's good cop, bad cop, where you make a deal with one person and the other person goes, time out. Nope, 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 that's not going to work. It's not going to work. You know, um, I didn't agree to these terms. So early on in my sales career, I figured you can't, like, you got to make sure that everybody on that on that team is on the page, same page. So, like, if it was a husband and wife or a partner situation and one person said, I'm ready to go, I'd go, great. Now I'd look over across the table and I'd say, are you ready to go too based upon these terms? And if they said no, it was like, no, it's a no-go. And one of my favorite questions to ask is, if I could do that, then what? So somebody comes to me and says, I don't want a presentation. So let's say, let's say I could. I don't even know if I could do that. 
what if I could do that? Then what? I, I have found that the person who uh, goes with the rapport too quick typically is, um, is scared. A lot of times they are salespeople. If they're a salesperson, they're not scared. They just they don't want a presentation. They don't want to have to sit through, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, two hours of whatever you do. I don't know what industry that you're in. Okay, so just know that rapport too quick, even on, on your part, even if you just hit it off. Uh, a lot of times, if you have too much in common, this could be rapport too quick. You could be the same religion. You could be the same uh, uh, party affiliation for political things. You may ha have some of the same interests. You may, you may have too much in common. And too much in common, for a lot of people, like, hey, Scott, that's a good thing. I can build rapport. Yes, you can. But rapport is going to play tricks in your brain, and you're not going to end up giving a presentation. Number seven. Number seven. The I don't want to waste your time guy. Now, in a lot of the industries that I work in, this is typically a dude and not a chick. It's just, it's just the way that it is. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. I'm just some guy hanging out, getting ready to watch an amazing sunset. And so, you know, my answer was, you know, because I went to houses, I went to businesses. I said, you already got me here. So, like, we can't think in terms of wasting time. What is it that you want? And sometimes they would just say, well, I just want to validate. They didn't say it this way. But what they would say is, I, I just want to validate a buying decision that I've already made. You know, and the I don't want to waste your time guy or girl is uh, somebody who will extract value from you. Somebody who is an ask, A-S-K, A-S-K, ask hole. They are an ask hole. And all they're, they're going to do is they're going to they're gonna ask you a bunch of questions and they, they never plan on buying from you. And, and there's a couple different versions of this, okay? So the I don't want to waste your time guy or girl. You know, my, my answer, like I said, was already, it's already happened. I'm already here. We're, we're, already, we're already open in the discussion. What is it that you want, you know? If, if you if you can open that door for me that I don't want to waste your time, I'm going to go straight to what is it that you want? What are you looking for? Are you looking for prices? Are you looking for opinions? Are you ready to get this done? Like, that's my word track. You want prices, opinion, you're ready to get this done. What is it that, that I can do for you? Let's, let's, you want to cut straight to the point, I'm cutting straight to the point. I might even go to a budget, depending upon the type of person that I'm, that I'm dealing with. I may go straight to a budget. Great. Hey, since you don't want to waste my time, you know, my, my smallest package that I deal with is 25 grand. Do you have that type of money? Nope. Okay, are you going to have that type of money? Nope. You don't have the wherewithal? Do you got credit? Can you borrow that money from a friend or from a bank? Nope. Is, is there a way that you can give me something that's worth $25,000, like a car, jewelry? Nope. I, you know, and then that decision at what you do at that point is up to you. It, it really is. Number eight, secret shopper. Secret shopper. This may be somebody from your industry. This may be somebody who's trying to figure out, you know, how you do your pricing, how you put your packages together. And there's going to be a point where in your, in your career that people ask you normal questions and then there's people that ask you abnormal questions. And I've always found that salespeople who are doing secret shopping, they, their timing is off and the questions that they ask are just weird and unusual. And so when I was doing full-time sales, I would stop and go, hey, time out. That's kind of a weird question, and I'm hardly ever asked that. And the only time I'm ever asked that is when I'm dealing with a salesperson that's competition, so what company do you work for? And I could think back during a time like 2006-ish where I went to a house 
and I knew the neighborhood very well because it was pretty close to where I grew up. So I knew I knew what the electric bill should be based upon the square footage of the house and the age of the heating and air equipment. And so I asked these people, and I'm like, so what is, what's your normal bill like? And they're like, oh, 110 bucks. I go, okay, cool. Where do you keep the thermostat set at? And they're like, oh, 72. Now, for the age of the equipment, for the square footage of the house, that bill should have been around 270, 300. And it wasn't. I go, that's interesting. You really do keep the thermostat set at that temperature? And they came back with, yeah, yeah, that's where we keep the, the thermostat. Well, they had heating and air tools in the garage, okay? There's, there's things in the world of heating and air that you know, like vacuum pumps and, you know, different types of wrenches. Like, that's heating and air stuff. So I called them out. I said, like, guys, look, you guys blew my appointment that I have. You know, I'm, I'm judged and I'm rated on this. Who do you work for? And they just sat there and smiled. And then I said, all right, well, I'm leaving. I don't have anything to do. And the guy goes, well, I'm going to call your office and complain. I pulled out my cell phone at the time. And I said, we're calling the office. I'm going to put you on speakerphone. You can complain all you want. And, of course, that didn't go anywhere because, you know, I called them out on the game that they were playing. Called them out. Number nine, I know blank. So I know blank is I can know your supervisor, your manager, your owner, or your founder. <laughs> And my, my answer always was, was like, well, if you're really good friends, they would have contacted me. So are you just saying that because you want a better deal? Or are you saying that because you're hoping for a better deal? What, what was the outcome that you wanted from telling me that you know that person? And, you know, I look at it as like a strike against me. So like if, if I'm going in there and they conveniently bring it up, I, I get it. They're just saying, hey, please take care of me. But like if this is the first thing through the through the door and it's not nervous energy and they're like, I know this guy or this girl. I'm like, great. Okay. So you got to deal with it. Is, is that your polite way of saying, please take care of me or don't take advantage of me or give me a discount? Which what are you looking for here? You know, I don't I don't know what that that conversation was meant to do. Number 10, tech spec dude. Now. The tech spec dude is typically close to the I don't want to waste your time guy. And they may they may say I don't want to waste your time. But most of the time they don't because they will suck as much time from you. Number 10, the tech spec dude. Now, this, this guy or girl is typically close to the number 7 I don't want to waste your time guy. Okay, Tech spec dude is uh, engineer type. They want to know all the details. They want to know what screw is going to be put in at what torque level and uh, the color of the screw is and if it's powder coated or if it's just spray paint. And you know this personality. Like you're looking and sitting there going, you may be cringing and going, I don't want to deal with that guy at all. I don't want to deal with number 10. I don't like number 10. I don't like number 10. I found that example number 10 tech spec dude is typically a value extractor. And what I mean by that is they're there just to ask you questions and they are ask ASK. ASK. They are ask holes. They are going to take as much information from you as they can so that they can design out a system, a product, a service, a car, and they never plan on doing business with you. They will just suck up your time. So when I used to have to work at home shows, I had an arrangement with the sales team and we, we would jump on rotation because it never failed. It never failed. There would be 20 people around. There would be a buying frenzy. There would be an appointment setting frenzy. And number 10 tech spec dude would show up. And tech spec dude would start asking questions about like the most obscure piece of equipment. Or they might have already bought. And they come up and they would say like, hey, 
I bought this piece of equipment six months ago, but I didn't buy it from you. I bought it from a competitor. And they would start detailing out the information. I'm like, it's got nothing to do with me. You're not a buyer. You're not buying from me. It's very evident. You bought something six months ago. That that means you're probably not going to buy something for another 14 and a half to 19 and a half years. There's no reason I should be talking to you. So what we would do is we would take turns and we would shoot over a salesperson to go talk to tech spec dude to keep the, the frenzy going when people were setting leads. Because at, at home shows and events like that, there's periods of momentum. At home shows and events like that, there's periods of momentum and you have to take advantage of them and get the leads. And always, 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 number 10, tech spec dude would show up. I've got questions. And I could think back of a time where, you know, they, they got different refrigerants and heating air, just like you got Coke and Pepsi. And this guy showed up in the middle of me talking to somebody. He's like, I've got questions. I said, I'll be right with you. So when I was getting my master's degree, uh, one of my professors used to put on, uh, you know, expos and events. And he said, Scott, there's a study that says if you tell somebody I'll be with you in two minutes, people will wait for three or four minutes to have a conversation with you and talk to you and say, like, all right, I'll sit there and wait. But if you didn't acknowledge them, then, you know, they would walk away within 30 seconds. So knowing that, I tell number 10 tech spec, dude, hold on a minute. I'm talking to somebody. I'll be with you shortly. And I, I, like, like the guy was antsy, and I got the feel that he was one of these people that they were an ask, A-S-K, A-S-K, ask whole. And so he wanted to argue with me about refrigerant. And so I called him out. I said, dude, did you come over here to talk to me about refrigerant to get my opinion or to show your superior knowledge? Because if you're showing your superior knowledge, I don't care. You're wasting my time. There's nothing I can do for you. Very cut and dry with people. <laughs> I don't know if you could figure that out or not. So he ended up, you know, walking away and complaining on the way out. You know, these people don't know what they're doing. I'm like, dude, like you're the one that came over and engaged in conversation with me. I don't have any reason to talk to you, and you're not buying anything from me. So move on. And this is the type of person that'll go, I'm going to tell all my friends and family about you. I'm like, great. If they know anything about you, they know that you're an asshole, and all you do is just cause problems. So talk away. I don't care. It's got nothing to do with me. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to have to decide how you deal with these 10 possible dangerous people in sales. And I would encourage you that, you know, you start keeping notes of the type of people that you struggle with or the type of people who cause problems consistently. Now, there's a downside of this, and this is focusing too much on the bad. The reason that I brought up these 10 is so if you're new to sales or you're struggling, these are the people who are going to get you hung up. Now, remember, this is a part one. I'm going to come up with a part two and probably a part three of dangerous people to deal with in sales. And some of them may not be the people that you're thinking of. And there's always the surprise attack. There's always the person that you're like, man, I never saw that one coming. I never saw that one coming. So I, I tracked my cycles. So I would go through cycles and sales just like anybody else. I would have my complaint cycle, my cancellation cycle, my downturn cycle where I sold nothing, my upsell cycle where I sold everything like I, I couldn't miss. And I would track and I would say, okay, where am I at? Where am I at? What's, what's regular and what's normal now? I've dealt with a whole bunch of engineer types. Okay, I'm out of my engineer type. I'm now with Mr. and Mrs. Frugal. Or I'm done with Mr. and Mrs. Frugal. Now I'm with Mysterious Big Deal Dude or Chick. Oh, uh, I'm out of Mr. Frugal and Mysterious Big Deal Chick and Dude. Now I, I got to deal with the I know person. So for you, the possible dangers in sales are really going to be determined by your industry, your service, and the product that you sell. 
but a lot of these are universal from the people that I talk to in the, in the industries that I train in. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.